Well, this, it's been encouraging, this service anyway, isn't it? This, the last few weeks, for, last few times. <clears throat> Slightly different order tonight. I'm going to speak first, um, because well, hopefully where we're going to land <laughs> um, just goes into worship. And Let me pray and we'll... Uh, See what happens next. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your presence. Oh, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Lord, we come into your presence. Well, Lord, we recognize your presence with us. So we don't need to come. You're here. Lord, we invite you to speak to our hearts. Will we just take a moment and just imagine yourself opening up? I don't know, maybe it's taking a jacket off. Just sort of opening up your heart. Please do it in your mind's eye, don't do it literally. Yeah. Might put me off. Just open up. Just opening your heart. Holy Spirit, come. Come, minister deep in, Lord. Speak to us. Transform us, Lord. Jesus is all about you. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. I guess what one of the aims for tonight is, is to see a transformation of atmosphere, see a change, a breakthrough, in the atmosphere for each one of us. Do you know what I mean by atmosphere for, you know, what, what, how we sort of feel most of the time. So therefore what we take into work, what we take into school, what we're doing with family. Just to see a, a, a transformation. I've asked Wendy, I didn't know she was going to do this, so... I've already prayed you forgive me, but um, when he's experienced over the last few days just a, an absolute transformation of atmosphere, haven't you? So can you just come and... Um, yeah, Laurie's just asked me to share something. Um, so this is me thinking out loud, this is not prepared. Um, <laughs> So over the last couple of weeks, I've been facing a really tough situation, which has really got me down, and I've been feeling quite um, low and defeated by it. And emotional. and emotional, yes, low, yeah. So been praying and been doing battle a lot. Prayed with friends, and um, then on Friday night, um, we happened to be 
um, at the Ristohet worship night. Well, I had to be at the Ristohet worship night, as did all the staff. And um, during the evening, this this wasn't anything to do with the worship night per se, but we were we were both Laurie and I so were sitting next to each other, and we were battling both of us in the spiritual realm. And um, one of the songs, the lyrics of one of the songs, the Lord spoke to me so profoundly through them. Can't tell you what the song was, can't remember it, probably want to look it up at some point because it was really good. But the words were about defeating giants and about um, victory in the place of battle. And, and the Lord just spoke to me about being an overcomer. What I didn't know, Laurie was, I was standing worshipping, Laurie was sitting beside me and at the end of the song, he turned to me and said he'd been battling the spirit of intimidation. And then somebody else who was sitting on the other side of me gave me word that they saw me with a, a double-edged sword in my hand that was so sharp it would split bone from marrow or something. <laughs> I can't remember the exact details, but, but I stood up at that point and, and there was a shift. Now, I thought that was a personal shift. Well, it was a personal shift, but actually I really believe that there's a bigger shift in that going on. I was speaking to somebody else later on, and the word they used was that they suddenly felt invincible. And Laurie actually said to me, and this is, I don't know how to put this without it sounding weird, but Laurie said what went through him was in battling the enemy was, how dare you come against this mighty woman of God. Well, I don't see myself like that. But actually the Lord showed me that that's what I am and that's who we all are. And I genuinely think there's been a shift in the atmosphere. The very fact that there are so many of you here tonight, I think is quite extraordinary. This morning when, those of you who are in church this morning heard me say this, that when we were worshipping, I had a picture of us on a battlefield as an army and we were advancing slowly. And as we were worshipping, we were taking ground. But then I realised what I was seeing was an army that was multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. So there were thousands of us. And the enemy was small. And the enemy knew that they were defeated. And we are advancing the kingdom here. It's more, this is far bigger than my battle. And actually, the thing that I've been facing, it's, it's not resolved as such. But do you know what? For the last 40 hours, I've not given it any thought. Which, which shows to me that actually that intimidation has, has been defeated. It's under the feet of Jesus. And so I really believe that we are multiplying and that God's kingdom is going to be extended. And I think that actually applies to things like our building project and, and a whole load of other stuff as well. I think it applies for, for any one of you who's facing something that feels like it's very personal and, and your own personal battle. There is victory and we're all part of a much, much bigger picture. Thank you. Thank you. I, I told her I hadn't said it. <laughs> there was more to say. That thing about how dare you comes, of course, from um, David and Goliath. And when Goliath comes against the army of... Um, Saul Solomon Saul Saul this is unprepared Saul is um, scared 
and heights. And his army are scared. And when David stands up against the enemy, who are the first people to tell him he's an idiot and shouldn't do it? His brothers. Oh, and the rest of the army. So it's the people on his side who say, shh, don't, don't, don't annoy the enemy. But he goes, how dare Goliath take the name of God in vain? How dare Goliath stand against the mighty men and women of God? So that's the, that's the biblical... It doesn't sound weird, because actually it's, it's David's words in one summary or something. <laughs> Read Max Licardo, Facing the Giants. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, read the passage in the Bible as well. That's the best place. So, that's... Want to see that breakthrough? Want to see that transformation? We're going to keep going with the Revelation thing, though. Revelation chapter 1, verse 15. The title I'd given myself was Revelation chapter 1, verse 15. Great. Remember, this is the picture of Jesus that we're looking at. This is the picture of Jesus we're looking at. His feet. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Or different translation, his feet were like burnished bronze. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. I'm desperate to get to the second half, but I've got to do the first half first. This is what it says in Daniel 10.6. Remember, um, all of this image of Jesus in Revelation comes out of Daniel. So Daniel 10.6 says, remember this is the image of the Son of Man. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. His voice like the sound of a multitude. In fact, Revelation 1.15 is virtually a straight quote from here. Not quite, but virtually. It's as if John is quoting from here from memory and doesn't quite quote it accurately. Have you ever seen a preacher do that? <clears throat> but it's what happens. But, and get this, John is using images and scriptures in his meditation, in his encounter with God, that he knows. That actually he understands. His body was like topaz, his legs like burnished bronze, his feet like they'd been in a furnace. We need that biblical framework to be able to make sense of what God shows us. We normally need to test words and pictures and images because we're checking that it's biblical, that it's what God has revealed. I heard somebody famous back in the 1980s stand up and say, God's told me to leave my husband and marry a man half my age. And I'm screaming at the television, no, he hasn't. With absolute certainty that that was not God speaking. 
however much she felt it was God speaking. Because God doesn't tear up marriages like that. We need to test it. That's why we test it. But actually, the more you get filled with Scripture, the more I get filled with Scripture, the more we, we test it anyway. And the more we see, because of what's in us, that God is then highlighting. And actually, you probably know Scripture better than you think. Because the images. So often I've sat with so many people in prayer appointments and they've gone, I've got this weird image, blah, blah. And I go, oh, actually, that's in Ezekiel. That's in, oh, is it? Oh, yes. And it's not that I know better. They already knew it. They just didn't know they knew it. Because we've heard it spoken about. We've heard, we've read it. This, it seems a weird thing. Can we go back to Revelation, James? Thank you. This seems a weird thing to focus on. His feet, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Now, if you're being captured by a beautiful image, do you look at people's feet? I know there's a few weird people out there who do, <laughs> but it's not the place, hands up, who think their feet are beautiful. You think you've got beautiful feet, yes? You do realise we should all have our hands up. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? And do we bring good news? Oh, I don't evangelize enough. No, we bring good news by being who we are. This image of looking at feet is a, is a weird one, really. It's not normally a thing we think of as beauty, but... As ever, the scriptures turn it upside down. And this word bronze, both in Daniel and here, isn't actually bronze. The Greek is trying to translate a Hebrew word, because John would have used a Hebrew word from Daniel. And guess what we know about this metal? Nothing. We have no idea what it's supposed to relate to. But it was beautiful. I don't, I don't often think of bronze as beautiful. It's sturdy. It's, yeah. I, I guess if you've got a bronze medal from the Olympics, you think it's, you know, and you weren't expecting one, then it's beautiful, isn't it? If you're expecting a gold, you're probably not so happy. But anyway. <clears throat> but his feet were like the most precious metal we can imagine glowing in a furnace. Ah. Oh. The most valuable, and this is the sense of it. It's, it's precious, it's beautiful to look at, it's valuable. Sometimes I'm not even sure gold is pretty, the way it's used sometimes. But it's, it's valuable because it's rare. That's why it's valuable. But this is a metal, so actually the image here is much bigger and much deeper than we, than we see just by reading it there. It, it's sort of lost in translation. And a furnace, the feet of the Son of Man have been in the fire. The furnace purifies. The furnace is the hard place to go. It's the meltdown place to go. The feet of the Son of Man have been in the place that's hard. The Incarnation. For God to become man, 
That's the place that's hard before we even start. Oh, and then his public ministry. Was that easy? Oh, and then his arrest. Gethsemane, his arrest, his crucifixion. Has he walked the walk as well as talking the talk? This son of man. He has, hasn't he? It's beautiful. So when we look at this image, and I think John is trying to get us to see this. He sees, see it beautiful, but also see that it's, that he, the son of man, has walked where you have walked. He's suffered what you are suffering. He's been through what you have been through. Well, Jesus was only 32. How was he bereaved? How did he know death in his family and all the rest of it? Well, the father does. For he gave his only son. Can you imagine that? Those of us that are parents, to give your only son. He's walked the walk. These beautiful, precious feet. And they're beautiful feet. This is what Isaiah 52, verse 7 says. How beautiful on the mountains, on the mountains, on the high places. Not easy to get up a mountain, so I'm told. I try not to try very often. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Those of us over a certain age have now got a song going through our head. I won't try and sing it. How deep and beautiful this image is. And how easy to miss it. The Son of Man has beautiful feet. Does he proclaim peace? Does he bring good tidings? Does he say their salvation is near? Does he say God reigns? He says it, he actually says all those things in his public ministry, but he is it as well. There's the feet. There's a beautiful image, more beautiful than we might imagine. But I want to focus on the voice. Can we go back to Revelation? His voice is like the sound of rushing waters. I think that amongst charismatics in England especially, over the last 50 years, so since Fountain Trust, for those of you who were around that, since that re renewal in the late 60s, I wasn't part of that, by the way. <laughs> Tries not to look at anybody who might have been, but since we've been around I think there's been a, even in the midst of the release of the voice of God and the prophetic, there's been an enemy scheme piggybacking on it. Because the verse I think I've heard used more than any other, when I was first a Christian, first coming into hearing God's voice, first coming, into, and even since, is, he's not in the thunder, He's not in the lightning. He's not in the storm. 
His is the small, still voice. And do you know how many times it talks about God speaking in a small, still voice? Do you know how many times it talks about his voice sounding like a multitude or rushing waters? Dozens. So we have this passive approach to hearing God's voice. We've got to get quiet. We've got to get... Now, we went to Kenya and we taught about hearing God's voice and boy, they needed to get quiet because they wouldn't shut up. They wouldn't go, prayer in a Pentecostal church in East Africa is loud and long. And God's going, uh, excuse me? No? Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> because you need the stillness within to hear. And you need not to be asking. Prayer was becoming a work for those guys. I've got to pray harder. I've got to pray louder. If I only pray from 10 till midnight, it's not long enough. I've got to go to 6 a.m. Otherwise, it's not, I'm not done it properly. No, it's not right. But for us, we're so used to it being the still, small. Now, please, God speaks in the still, small voice. And many of you may have heard the still, small voice. I'm not denying that. But the emphasis has been on that. It hasn't been on, I'm here, I'm speaking to you. And we go, he's not in the thunder and he's not in the light. So we ignore the flipping obvious. I was going to use a different word, but I'll use the word flipping. We ignore what God is shouting at us. Because he's not, he doesn't do it loudly. Do you know why we like that? Please, dummy, Jared, Joy. Because we're flipping English. <laughs> and we like things to be nice and polite. And the really unfortunate thing is, we're not only English, but we're white and middle class. So we like our manners. We like it done in order. So God speaks in a still small voice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. We do like it nice, don't we? I get into trouble because I'm loud. Is it offered to any, uh, any uh, happen to anybody else? Says looking at nobody. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but if if you're English, oh, you're not completely English, are you? That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> but if you're English and you're, and you're not quiet you're considered weird why would you want to be that loud why would you want to be that in your face well I, actually I don't want to be in your face horribly but I, I get excited poor old Jared and Charlene are staying with us at the moment and you know I've got so much stuff I just want to tell them most of it's rubbish <laughs> but I'm just excited because that's who I am if, it, if I know something and I, I just want to share it with people whether that's about the football I mean proper football not that gridiron stuff no we, we like that as well but do you know what I mean I want to share about that I want to share about something I've read I, 
I, but I want to share the gospel and I want to share who Jesus is and I want people to... Oh, he's a bit weird. He's a bit full on. He's a bit full on. Sorry. Tough. <laughs> it's who I am. And tell them not. Tell somebody goes, you should be quiet. You shouldn't... No, you shouldn't be like... And I, and I do go... And sit there on Friday night going, I've got no authority, I can't do anything. And I'm battling the spirit of diminishment. And I'm literally sitting there going, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't. And then Wendy turns and goes, this is how, oh, okay, maybe I can do this. Oh, stand up again. He speaks loudly. He speaks, the sound of his voice is like rushing waters. That image of rushing water, power. Life. Can't live without water. Cleansing. You get much, clean, you get, you get much cleaner under running water than you do in still water. This is an image of the Holy Spirit. The waterfall, the rushing waters, because that's actually what it is, is powerful. Ezekiel 43.2 says this. I saw the glory of God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters. And the land was radiant with his glory. He's not whispering and there's not a little candle somewhere. He's roaring. For goodness sake, what are we called to be? Well, that's what we do. We're St. Leonard's. Wow. Roar! Scary. Do you know what? God is. But if he's looking after his pride, he needs to be. He's keeping everybody at bay. We won't push the analogy of the pride too far because the male lion protects them but doesn't do any work and just waits around to be fed. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, what are you suggesting? What's going on? <laughs> but the lion roars. I saw the glory of God, the presence of God of Israel. His voice was like the roar of a rushing water. Have you stood close to a waterfall we had, we had the privilege of standing next to the Victoria Falls it's loud and it wasn't in rainy season wasn't it it wasn't in flood it wasn't too far off but it wasn't as loud as it can be and I was so wet I was absolutely soaked through I mean there was 38 degree heat and I'm soaked through the voice of God roars like rushing waters and soaks us through. So many of us at that point go, where are the waterproofs? I need an umbrella. Rather than going, more. I want to be soaked through.
Revelation 19.6 says this. I heard what sounded like a great multitude. The roar of rushing waters. If John's got a good image, he uses it a few times. <laughs> and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, our Lord God Almighty reigns. Where is our voice? Are we the voice of the multitude? Oh, but we're a church under pressure. The church has been so diminished. Oh, we're struggling. To... No. This is the army that Wendy's talking about. We've got the angels on our side, for goodness sake, and there are a few of those. All the saints that have gone before are cheering us on as the, crowd of, the cloud of witnesses. The crowd of witnesses? The cloud of witnesses. Are we roaring? If you roar like that, when people go, oh, we don't like this, we don't like you to... Do you know what? It doesn't matter. I know it's hard, but it doesn't matter. Revolution. revolution. <laughs> James, you know, I said revelations is wrong. Revolution is really wrong, all right? So Revelation 14.2. I heard a sound from heaven, like the roar of Russia. <laughs> How many times? And this is just in Revelation. Go through the prophets sometime. Like the roar of rushing waters, like a peal of, loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Hang on, I've got something written down I, I can't read. Excuse me. So this is the same image with the harpists added. It's beautiful, isn't it? 